Well, I'm excited to be joined by the guys from Blurry Creatures, the Nate Henry, and Luke Rogers. Guys, thank you for joining me on the Megalithic Marvels uh, podcast. Let's go. We're here. Good to be here. Derek, we so appreciate you, man. This is uh, it's fun to be on your show. You've been on our show a ton, and I always love what you do. And your work is is amazing, and you're a better person. It's uh. It's cool. I, I, I'm a big fan. I was a big fan before we got to know know you, and a bigger fan now. But great to be on the show. Great to see you. Yeah, it is great to have you guys, and it's kind of really exciting to have the the script flipped here. Often mm. when I when I'm seeing your incredible handsome faces online like this, <laughs> I'm being interviewed, but now I get to interview you, and I'm excited about some of these topics we're going to get into. I want to ask you guys. I don't normally talk about Bigfoot, but being that you were originally a Bigfoot podcast, I got to ask you about this uh, coming out of the gate here in a second. I want to talk giants, uh, Nephilim, uh, some of these footprints you guys have been um, showing on your channels. We got to get into portals, stargates. Of course, we got to talk about uh, the latest UFO phenomena and uh, how that pertains to aliens. And, of course, Ancient Tech. I want to hear about your trip to Peru. This is going to be an incredible episode. I hope you guys are ready for this. We are. Never talked about any of this before, so this is going to be a first time for us. <laughs> yeah. So so I want to start out by saying congrats on uh, not just your, your incredible podcast, but the uh, incredible community you guys have created here in just really a handful of years. So um, I think you posted recently somewhere I saw that you guys hit top five in uh, some category uh, worldwide. Was that the science category? Yeah, yeah. We hit, I think last week we hit like 240 in the U.S., 244 or something on there. Top 250 for like a couple of days, which is, you know, crazy to even think about that you talk about some of these subjects that are so outside of the realm of you know pop culture and here you are cracking into the you know just to get to the top 1000 podcasts with all the millions out there it's just it's we're blown away we're humbled i think we try to have we try to work on making the content accessible to people and have fun come on see some memes hang out laugh a little bit but also like get something to take with you to kind of rattle your rattle your brain a little bit while you're going about your day so i think that's a good <clears throat> for whatever reason sort of a good mix of all those things and uh dude we're just blown away that people listen care and share it to their friends so just humbled yeah congrats yeah. you guys i mean following you the last couple of years i know how much hard work this is so again it's really cool to see um when the rewards start coming in so i just kind of wanted to hear from you guys um for people that might not know uh give us uh just some quick bullet points kind of of the why and how you two came together to launch the blurry creatures podcast. Give us a little bit of the backstory. So <clears throat> blurry creatures was kind of, I was fascinated by paranormal topics for a while and was listening to a lot of podcasts over the years, kind of the early podcasts. And then I started getting to David Politis' stuff, missing four one one, watching Bigfoot documentaries, trying to figure out, okay, there's this, there's this sort of scientific phenomenon going on in the woods and state parks and people are going missing. Where are they going? First, I thought it was Bigfoot. Then I was kind of like, well, it seems more complicated. 
And then about 2019, designed a logo called and, and got the domain Blurry Creatures. And Luke and I had done some work on some previous podcasts, had a bunch of mutual friends. We knew, we knew of each other. We hung out a couple of times. And I knew he knew how to podcast. And the, and the one thing I was thinking in the back of my mind is I don't want to take this journey by myself. I was listening to a lot of guys like Mike Heiser and people talking about the Nephilim. And I grew up in the church and I was just fascinated with this whole explanation for all the cataclysms in the old testament and all the weird stuff that happened and i hit up luke and i was like dude um i got everything ready to go do you want to join me in the blurry verse and uh i sent you a message i think I, I i slipped into luke's dms i was like dude come on well it started in the public space first nate uh, we were our our interaction <laughs> <laughs> i think it had to do with like, a tweet about bigfoot which is which is funny because i know that one of the if you listen yeah. to our show at all, and if you haven't, one of the first things we talk about is ask people for their thoughts on Bigfoot, right? It's uh, it, it, it's a weird enigma, right? It's a cultural phenomena, and um, people people have a lot of thoughts because you could buy Bigfoot almost anything branded by Bigfoot, and there are attractions and museums, and there are syndicated shows about trying to find this guy. Um, and for me, like you know, Nate had this had the this the nexus of this of this idea. Um, and like you said, I, yeah, I had been podcasting and he had been podcasting previously as well. And the podcast that I was on with my brother, we, we, uh, we retired it, um, due to some contractual things with his employer. And I was looking for a new creative project and it always been like Nate said, I, in the same way, I'd always been fascinated by history is why I was a big fan of what previous to this big fan of what you were doing is I, I love history and, and I love to think about, um, and, and learn about the things that, that, you know, of antiquity. And, you know, a lot of that doesn't make sense. This is, this is your platform. Like, you know, how, then the mainstream narrative isn't, isn't really that good. It doesn't really explain a lot. It can't really explain a lot. And, and so, you know, when Nate approached me about, hey, you want to do a Bigfoot podcast? It was, it was like, a, it was an absolute yes. It was 2020. And, and, you know, going back to the, to, kind of how our show has grown. I, I, I think that there are a lot of folks considering, you know, in the last three years, considering everything everyone's been through in the West and across the world, especially people are looking for a lot of answers. Um, and if you're a Christian, you want to, you want to looking for answers that you can contextualize within the scriptures and within your faith. And, you know, we began with Bigfoot. Like, how do you, what is this thing? What is this enigma? Uh, we call the gateway drug. It's sort of into the, uh, into the weird. And, and Nate does a great job of describing sort of the anti you know the the thesis of our show which really is that you know, the church really doesn't do a great job generally speaking um addressing the paranormal um and the paranormal community itself really doesn't address a lot of the paranormal through you know through a biblical context or biblical lens right so we want to marry those things like uh, when you say paranormal is a weird is also a weird it has a lot of weird connotations uh, semantically right but really, we're just talking about things that, that sort of live on the fringes, right? You, Bigfoot and ghosts and all the weird things in the Bible. Um, you know, as you pointed out, the Nephilim and, and what does that mean? And then, you know, there's the conquest of Joshua and 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 these things that that we're trying to make sense of here in the 21st century. Uh, but maybe all these things are how we can pull a thread, right? Maybe there's a thread through all of this, especially if you're a Christian, and, and we believe there is. And so trying to pull that thread and make sense of everything, everything weird, as, as Nate said, with everything in the blurry verse, right? Um, 
even to the, even in your space, the megalithic stuff, how do we explain that? You know, other than that there was, and I love what you do, the ancient technology. How does, how did that work? How does, how does that work? Is there, is there uh can we predicate that? Is there evidence for that in the scripture? And we believe there is. And so that's really where we, where we come from. And it's a big mishmash grab bag of, of, of things, but it, I, I just, I feel like Nate and I, it's a journey podcast and we've been on this journey trying to, to find better answers for questions that don't really have an answer. Um, and trying to do that within the context of our faith. And, and for us, that's talking to theologians, experts like yourself when it comes to megaliths and, and, and folks that have written books and what we say put in the 10,000 hours, right? So um, there's quite a bit of experiential stuff that, that, we, that we produce on our show, but uh, there's about double that in um, what we consider expert interviews. So folks that have, have taken the time, spent the, spent the 10,000 hours to become an expert and written the books, done the research, been on the ground. Um, and have their story to share. And um, that's a long answer, but you know, Nate and I have been at it now for, this is year three, Nate. Mm-hmm. And it's just been an amazing journey for us. I, I, I think you can't help but be changed and have your your faith stretched and grow when you are you're diving into a lot of um, of the weird stuff. And, and Nate mentioned Mike Heiser. He really is a He's a hero for us in this space, and we lost Mike this year. But um, you know, he wrote a, what I believe is just a, a paradigm-shifting book called The Unseen Realm. And Mike will tell you that he didn't have any original ideas. He just compiled and stood on the shoulders of others, but he just compiled it. He organized it. And, it, and what it really is is about you know, putting the supernatural back into uh, to the scriptures and to our faith. And, and I think that is um, that uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? That paradigm or that um, that thesis is really, in, in a lot of ways, where our, our show lands as well. And we got we got the chance to become interview Mike a few times, become good friends with him and Trena. And I, I just I think there that we serve an infant God, and there's I think oftentimes we put it put we put him in in our faith in a box that feels comfortable. But I a lot of the things that we experience, a lot of things being talked about in mainstream media. A lot of the stones we can touch, like when we were just in Peru and you were in Egypt, a lot of the stones you can touch, there's stories there that, that you can find the context for within within the scripture. And and I'll be, and I'll I'll stop there. I've talked way too much, but um, that's how the show came about. Incredible journey. That's crazy. Only three years you've been at this now. It probably feels a lot longer. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but like you said, you kind of started out as this Bigfoot podcast and um you often for people who follow the blurry creatures on social media they're crushing it on instagram they're all over youtube twitter all the all the places or x Uh, but you've always you know you're usually featuring uh bigfoot in your uh branding you started out as a bigfoot podcast like nate's always saying it's the gateway drug is bigfoot Uh, on your show you've asked me and others you know what is your take on Bigfoot. So I want to, I want to turn it to you guys. You've had three plus years to marinate on this. You've heard countless answers about Bigfoot. I want to hear what do you guys personally believe? Again, I don't normally talk about Bigfoot, uh, but I do live in the Pacific Northwest and Mm. I have uh, heard a lot of stories, including those from uh, my grandpa back when he was hunting in the good old days. 
and um, they came upon this hunt, this place in their camp where there was these massive footprints, and they were so taken back they actually called uh, authorities from the University of Washington who came out and plastered these. And so I grew up seeing these photographs of these plastered footprints and hearing the tales of Bigfoot. So I want to know from you guys, what is your personal take on what Bigfoot is? Who wants to start? I guess I'll go break it up a little here. Um, you know, I think there's like the animal meter. If you were going to zero to hundred, how animal like something is if it's you know there's certain animals out there that have sort of human qualities there's you know people raise certain types of animals and they're smart and they can do things and they can and then there's just animals that are just dumb and walk and, and just do their thing and they're just very basic kind of you know basically just put it put it in the freezer right kind of animal but um you know you have like dolphins and they're really smart intelligent things like that um i think bigfoot definitely blows past the meter of what an animal can do and where it is on that. It's just, you you do a show like this for a while, it's just, you just can't help but realize that it's not in that, it's not in the zero to a hundred. It's, it's off the charts of, of kind of the weird stuff associated. Like we just interviewed a guy who talked about how he was in his cabin sleeping one night and Bigfoot creature put this vision into his mind and he could see from the viewpoint of an actual Bigfoot. And he, he basically this creature took over his senses you know before doing this podcast i heard stories like this like people walk into they get mind speak they get something something's communicating with them that's not using our traditional faculties of how you and i would communicate right like if i could just beam my thoughts to you right now you'd, you'd be like well, what are we dealing with and that's something some of the stuff that comes along with bigfoot and there's all this association with ufos and things um but that's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for a lot of people to accept that there is an unknown species out there, let alone a giant, you know, humanoid bipedal species. Because usually we find little rodents or bugs or things that are that are new. So you have to kind of, I don't know, you have to open your mind to it for a while. And then you have to kind of see the evidence and gather. Like you said, there's footprints. People have had all these stories. And I honestly, Derek, I'm surprised at how many people have had a Bigfoot experience. It's not. People will come on our show to talk about things not related to Bigfoot, but they have a Bigfoot experience. And you're like, what the heck? How is how are so many people in, in, encountering this creature, this animal? And then, you know, there's there's different levels of sightings. There's like the A sightings, the B sightings, and there's, you know, they go all the way down. And people have, a lot. not a lot of people have like a good high quality like A sighting where they're like standing face to face with this creature. But some people do. and the weird, bizarre stuff that happens in and around that is undeniable. And I think I feel that Bigfoot has sort of a multiple types of DNAs going on. It's, 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 it's sort of primate on one hand, and on the other hand, it might have some of this Nephilim DNA in it where it can, it can do things that defy our, our abilities and skills. Bigfoot seems to be able to walk from our world to somewhere else. He seems to be able to disappear. Um, there's, there's so many weird stories where it's, you see it and then you don't see it. Um, you shoot it, nothing happens. Um, what is that? You know, how, how is it able to do that? You see, you follow tracks and they're gone. Um, 
sort of this mystery. And I think if it was just an animal, we would have pulled it out of the woods already because it would have been dumb enough to, to get killed. And, but it seems to avoid game cams. It seems to have sort of a knowledge and a feeling of what's around it. So I don't think you see Bigfoot. I think Bigfoot, you know, most of the time Bigfoot finds you and every once in a while, I think maybe you do get a dumb one. Maybe there, there are less intelligent ones, right? And they happen to be like, oh crap, I don't have my smoke. I don't have my smoke screen on. I got to like, whoop, and I'm, I'm gone. Right. Like, like I, I think sometimes they forget what they're doing, but they're curious. They look in people's windows. They're out there. They, they kind of study us. So I, I think it, it's, I don't know. It's in a classification of its own and we can only speculate what that is and where it comes from. But that's sort of the best answer I can come up with right now is that it's, it's, it's off the charts in terms of just an animal. No, I think if, if you're, if you're not in the space, right, if you're kind of new to the Bigfoot world, um, Maybe you've watched Finding Bigfoot, right? Which is really, really that it's the big platform. Everybody's kind of maybe seen an episode or two. They don't. Spoiler alert: They don't find Bigfoot. Um, there's something very. Like Nate would say this. Nate did say there's something very strange about this animal in the sense that there's very much a physical aspect to it, right? It leaves footprints. Jeff Meldrum, who we brought had on the show, Doctor Jeff Meldrum is probably the world-renowned or foremost expert on on this on this uh, creature. It's got thousands of casted footprints. He has a casted butt print. And we made some jokes on the show about that. That was fun. Uh, but this thing is physical enough to leave leave evidence, right? But then in the Bigfoot world, there's two camps. There's this whole, like Nate said, there's this whole, it's 100% animal. It's, uh, it's like a remnant of gig- Gigantopithecus, right? It's this very elusive ape, North American ape, although it's seen across the planet in some version or another, so it just can't be a North American ape. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But the other camp is what they like to call woo, which has all this sort of <laughs> um, connotation that goes with it, right? It, that it's, But what that mm-hmm. is saying is there are all these really weird things that happen around Bigfoot. As Nate said, there's orb lights and UFO activity. Um, we talked to a Navajo ranger who was a 30-year ranger on the res, and he has stories about tracking Bigfoot and, and the footprints disappearing. And I mean, in, not into a river or just disappearing, stopping. They're gone and they're tracking it along, you know, a dry creek bed. That doesn't, they just disappear, right? And you've got stories about people, you know, raising weapons and it, and it, it disappears, like dematerializes. Not that they did looked away and then looked back and it's gone, but there's something very odd and strange and, and really, and I don't love the term supernatural, but something along the lines of that, that, are associated. We talked to Ron Moorhead and he has all this really crazy samurai chatter and all of his experiences included all these light orbs. I don't know if there's any other animals that, that have that sort of phenomena with it, right? You've got, <laughs> you've got glow in the dark algae and stuff like that, but not, not like what's being described. I think there's just too many odd experiences with it, with this for it to be just an elusive animal. And as Nate said, we do discover species, new species all the time, but like they're always really small for the most part. There is, they're little rodents or bugs or tiny birds, right? That these things would, would elude because they're of their size and their remoteness. Not in, in the same way. Bigfoot is so large. The footprints are, there's something very strange. And we, we talked about Mike Heiser, and, you know, Mike famously in our show, we, we quote that he said that, you know, if just one of these experiences, it's, tr- it's true. 
then it changes the whole paradigm. And and I think there are enough of these to say not everybody who's telling the story is, you know, on some kind of weird psychedelic trip or making it up or looking for attention. These did happen, and and it, and it wasn't in their heads. So there's too much weird things around Bigfoot for it to be just a flesh and blood creature, especially because people people can find all the evidence, but no one's yet to bring a body out of the woods. That's a really strange situation. Mm-hmm. That's a, I don't know mm-hmm. how you. That's a juxtaposition that's tough, right? You yeah. find all the footprints and you can see all the evidence, but no one can pull a body out. That's weird. And the weird um, and the, one of the other parts of the Bigfoot story is it seems to be there are interactions where it doesn't. It's not terrifying. Yeah, it's weird. So, that is, yeah. so it's it seems to sometimes be a neutral character in sort of the paranormal space, which most of the time, if you look into these things, most of the other things that people see are kind of terrifying and seem evil in nature. Bigfoot's like almost some people even go as far as to say sort of the protector of the woods, which like, ben- like there's, a ben- there's benevolent experiences like saving kids uh, from drowning or like you know these kids like the politest paradigm right where these kids disappear and they're like well i spent the night with a bear and took care of me and you're like that doesn't that doesn't really make any sense um there's a spectrum though right nate like i mean you have you do have all these really terrifying experiences with with sasquatch um but there's also this whole benevolent (laughs) bigfoot yeah paradigm as well so it has a personality that's 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 the weird part it's weird i so i guess the answer is angry one day and then He's your friend the next. Who knows? Sounds like your sounds like your crazy uncle, right? I mean, it's like <laughs> no, I I, I think oh that's God. yeah, right. I, I I don't know. I I think as as the show barrels on, Nate, um, it's like that, a human. It, you know, there's good and bad. There's there's a, there's a wide gamut of of different types of human personality. Sometimes humans will save a stranger, right? Someone's choking in a restaurant. Someone will save their life. Someone, you know. You have this uh, Good Samaritan stories all the time of people helping people, and then you have that with you have Good Samaritan stories with Bigfoot, which is really s- strange. It's so strange. So people want to classify it. People want to put it in a category, and it seems like the stories blow the boxes wide open more and more that you get into the space, and which leads into all the other creatures we talk about on the show. So Bigfoot is just the beginning, and then we start realizing there's this whole alternate history. There's other weird, blurry creatures out there. And Luke and I couldn't stay in the Bigfoot space for too long. But we come back and dip our toes in every once in a while with a good story. The water's and always warm, Nate. It's always warm. Who knows? Sometimes it's it's nice to just go back to a sort of a casual Bigfoot experience and not some of this crazier stuff that we get into on our yeah. show. So well, but I, I would say I think there's there's we talk about interdimension, yeah. We're talking about portals at some point, but like the idea of interdimensionality. That's kind of where I'm landing lately. I I just I think there's too many stories of, of these things of footprints disappearing and just being a. It, there's some very famous Yeti footprints that, that if you you can Google on a mountain range in the Himalayas that just go nowhere. They stop in the snow. That that, that kind of stuff is tough. Like, you know, and people push back and have a hard time with the idea of. I mean, mathematically, we can prove there are dimensions, but the idea that, that things can phase in and out. I mean, perhaps that's what's happening here. I I, I think. That isn't as crazy as it sounds based upon the body of evidence. At least for me. Well, let's um let's get into some <laughs> of these other creatures that you referenced because you guys started with Bigfoot like you said, and then you started to branch out into uh, all these other topics. So let's talk about one of our favorite subjects which is giants, uh mm. Nephilim, 
cryptids. You guys have been posting some crazy photographs and videos recently on Instagram and stuff of these giant footprints in Texas. And I think even Montana um, that people have been sending to you. You did an episode on it just recently as well. Give us a little breakdown of these giant what you're calling our humanoid footprints, some of the details about them, and then let's get into um, uh, this topic. So here's a book called The Valley of the Giants. This is a book from the 70s. And uh, someone posted some pictures out of this book. Basically, these guys found in the Texas sort of bedrock on this creek, in the Glen Rose area, you know, he had all these dinosaur footprints and these giant man tracks that were sort of fossilized in the ground. and you know, as well as I do, that there's these footprints that have been left in stone all over the world. And, you know, we've been told this narrative that this stuff takes millions of years to fossilize and all this other thing. But you realize that it's not true. They find fossilized tools from, they find fossilized toys. They find fossilized everything now. We, we kind of realize that, that it doesn't take very long. So anyway, all that to say is uh, sometimes you find some good tracks and you're like, whoa, this is, this, this is actually proves that something stepped here. And Travis Roy from Giants of Ancient America lives down in that area. And I was like, hey, have you seen this book? And he goes, no. I'm like, well, you know, this dinosaur state park down near you used to have giant man tracks in there. So he goes down and he investigates and he found a bunch, a bunch of really good footprints. Some of these are 24 inches long. Some big guys. Um, you know, we're talking, you know, 30%, 40% bigger than Shaq's shoe. So... It's not a typical human being down there. And sometimes they're in the book, it documents there's up to 50 tracks that they found right alongside dinosaur tracks. And like Luke and I said on that episode, it, it creates a lot of problems because here you have, you have humans, humanoid creatures and dinosaurs existing at the same time. You have giant humans existing and it blows a hole in a lot of these narratives. So they, in the eighties, there's this conspiracy where the guy said, Hey, there used to be signs in this area that said there's here's caveman tracks and travis went to the local creation museum and they're like yeah well i was actually went to the ranger station and asked them say hey when in the 70s they used to have signs out here but flash forward they started the state park and it's late 80s and he's like they're gone where and and they they destroyed these tracks they kind of chiseled out the toes and they made sure that those disappeared but he said i used i took all the the signs out of the park and put them in the shed over here. So like, you know, there's this conspiracy to kind of whitewash history and tell us this, this sort of PG version of what happened. And these things are millions of years old, but you can see the, all these di different types of dinosaurs and, and humanoid creatures walking together. And so we posted a bunch of those. We, we all shared it actually between the three accounts. So if you're interested, you can go to any of our Instagram accounts and see these footprints and even some film of them and they're still there derek they're 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 massive and some of them are six inches into the ground hard to fake um but you know we also get them from time to time like you said someone sent us one from montana it was sort of in more of a, a, a sort of a harder stone but that track was twice the size of a normal human foot you can see it outlined and just awesome. I tried to buy it off the guy, had him ship it to us, but the uh, whoever the stonemason said that the customer wouldn't part with it. So, dude, it's it's fascinating. There's there's proof that the giants were here in America, and 
Travis, who has this account basically dedicated just to giants, was luckily just 30 minutes away. How, how lucky is that? You know, and I think that it's, you just have to have the right conditions to preserve these. Something walked through the, the, the muddy river that day. And then it happened to fossilize. But there's 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 a lot of tracks. Normally we only get one or two tops. There's dozens there, and they're still there. So yeah, they're still I've, there. I think yeah, I've always still... heard about the dinosaur tracks down there in Texas, and even heard that there was you know human footprints side by side. But I had never heard that they were giant footprints. And if I'm not mistaken, in, in the photos and videos that uh, you've posted with uh, Travis. You can still see, I think, the toe details mm -hmm. in, in one of them. And so that's crazy that you're saying on a lot of these, they went in the authorities, I'm assuming, and chiseled out the toes to make it look like it was just a dinosaur track. Yeah, if you see that one there, that's a 23-inch track. And that was documented in the 70s. And this, and, also, this, um, this book, there's four editions of this book, right? It's not It's not really, you have to, Nate's got a, a hard copy. There's there, but there was a fourth edition, and this is before it became Dinosaur Valley State Park. This is before it became a government-run um, space. Now, some of these footprints fall outside the park, which is where you kind of you get, you get lucky, right? You can some of these aren't within the confines, and, and as Nate said, all of the all the original signage around these has disappeared, but the tracks are still there. And this is actually the same place where they had, I believe, it's the same place where the they have the dinosaur track and the and the human footprint that interact right and that that's been that's now at a museum i, I think it came from the same the creation museum has it yeah, but yeah. i think it came from the same area this is previous to, to being a state park yeah um but these are like this is not a single track this is this, these are a line of of footprints giant footprints and in our episode we like nate said we talk about how big these are compared to something like shacks size 22 right which was a huge deal when if when we were all kids and shaquille o'neal i was in junior high i remember i had a uh orlando magic starter jacket that was uh you know it, these are this is great evidence and and of course it's um it's being whisked away i think not unlike some of the things that you you come across in egypt um when you have these narratives that get pushed and so things that are outside uh, uh or don't work with the narrative either get disappeared or there's a really bad explanation for what's going on here. And this part would be very hard to have a bad explanation. The best thing they can do is, is destroy. They've tried to destroy some of the tracks. Um, so they're not, they're unrecognizable, but there's really good footprints with measurements from the seventies. Uh, Travis has been out there and, and found mm -hmm. the, the ones that are still, still out there and existing. And I think I think luckily, you know, not luckily, there's a drought, but because there's been a, a drought in Texas, um, some of these things were preserved because they're underwater. And now with with the mm. with things drying up, a lot of these tracks are being exposed again. And part of that is now you're able to find the, these these giant footprints, which are very inconvenient for um, a lot of mainstream mm -hmm. narratives that would say they were never giant humanoid creatures that somehow there's a lot the same of same There's strata as dinosaurs, which supposedly lived, you know, mm -hmm. magnitude of millions of years ago, according to that narrative. And then you have, how are they in the same strata? How does that even, it doesn't work for that. So um, there's incentive there, right? To, if, you, if, you, if you're a proponent of a certain narrative to make some of these things disappear. And it appears the state park did some of that. 
uh, not our conspiracy hat on because all this stuff has been, there are signs and stories and photos and all the stuff that has existed at one point and now it's conveniently not there mm-hmm. in a lot of places it was. Yeah, so you're saying even back, what was it in the 70s or 80s, they had official state uh, park signs or whatever that said caveman prints. Yes. Yeah, it's in the book. You can see the signs in the book. And, you know, I think that in the late 70s, you know, some of these theories that they've been pushing in school kind of took kind of step past the theory and became sort of more of like this is the this is what we teach this is the fact this is how this is human origins and this is this is the timeline when all this stuff kind of happened and i get it you know i get people have been steeped deep into that kind of modern psyop of of you know we don't talk about theories this is you can't talk about any other ideas of how humans might have rolled onto the scene and you have to make this stuff disappear but it's all in this book. I, I had to find it on eBay. You can't even you can't even really find it anywhere. And luckily, I found it. But you can go to archive.org and look it up. It's called Valley of the Giants by Doctor Doherty, C. N. Doherty, and um, you can kind of look at it, see some photos. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like that late '70s feel, and uh, see for yourself that there are little little glimpses of some dudes that got blurry back in the 70s and were trying to document it the best they could. They didn't have the, the tools we have today to kind of get the word out. Now as you now you can post a photo or a podcast about this and millions of people can tune in and listen to like, hey, there's this alternate history that these guys documented back in the day. And um, But like Travis has been documenting, it's, it's, it's been happening since the, the mid-1800s. They were digging up these things and writing about it in newspapers. And like Luke said, if just one of them's true, it blows the hole in all all this, and uh, you know, giantism's one in a million. So we know that there wasn't just a a ton of people that are that had giantism disease just being buried all over the place. I mean, and a lot of crazy songs running around. Yeah. <laughs> so so between the three of us, I think we talk about the creatures. You guys, you talk more about the construction, and Travis talks more about the, the historical accounts of these things being dug up. So I think it's a good trifecta, and, and Zelda would be happy. There you go, yeah. Um, I want to ask you guys about, in a minute, I want you to kind of give me a, a quick uh, picture of how you envision kind of this ancient golden age, pre-flood, uh, pre-Genesis 6 world. Uh, but before I ask you that, so you have a, a minute to think about that, I, I want to ask you about this viral reptilian airplane clip <laughs> that uh, came out a couple of weeks ago now. And uh, I think you guys, you posted a video of you this gal on the plane that's freaking out, talking to the reptilian. You got like 6 million views on that? Oh, my. Yeah, it's, Nate, it's let's talk about ridiculous. this meme. This is one of my, this is my favorite meme that we've done. Well, maybe other like than Luke, the surfer, kind of gets the credit for this. He does. Well, I mean, it was kind of like a hype. Like Luke was like, "Hey, Nate, have you heard it? We were on, we were in Peru of all places, <laughs> driving is... through Megalith, and we're we're talking about famous YouTube videos." And he's like, "Have you seen the like, snake one?" Like, wasn't like when we were in college, right? So, like, I, I was in college <laughs> in the early two thousands. I graduated in '04 from my undergrad. So, you know, baby YouTube, right? And, th- and then thereafter, like the videos that went kind of viral. I remember being, I remember coming home and watching like the, the redubbed over PSAs of the eighties of the GI Joe PSAs, which were funny, but we were in the car and I was asking Nate if he'd seen this video of this guy 
And he puts his hat on and says he's a snake. He's like, I'm a snake. I'm a snake. And I hadn't seen it. And so we pulled it up. We're Peru. And, and, and then it be kind of just became like the running joke until like my wife was just was like, you have to stop saying that. Um, it's not funny anymore, but I still thought it was funny. Instead of Nate. So essentially then, then this whole thing, this re- reptile or this lady, you know, who's now been outed, um, she has this viral video, right, of her basically saying this guy's not real, he's not real, and there's this whole idea of this reptile. He's a reptilian, or and so Nate, of course, being just a meme master, we had we had had this idea for the meme to be like uh, instead a meme about the Garden of Eden, and it, it would be like you know the, the serpent's first attempt to try to to try to get out, try try to you know, to try to tempt Eve and it, you know, it doesn't work. Right. Cause it's, it's obviously not a snake. And we thought that was pretty funny. We were kind of working through that and then this video hit and, and they sent me the idea and was like, what if we, what if we just had it panned to the back? And then there's this, this the, the snake guy from the early two thousands saying, I'm a snake. Um, <laughs> it was, just, it, it worked so well. And people, you know, it, you know, it's doing well. People hate it because they're like, yeah, you know, you guys are like whatever, whatever. But I thought it was just—I still think it's funny. I, I don't—I probably watched it. I probably have you know ten of those, whatever six million views or me just watching it, making my wife watch it again. She's like, "I'm done watching it." And you're like, "No, you're not. This is really good." <laughs> it was—it was you guys hit the zeitgeist of that moment with with the woman talking about the reptilian on the plane. Yeah, and then that guy. With his stick impersonation was just too much. Like I probably watched it five hundred times. <laughs> I, I think that's like what Luke and I try to do is make this stuff accessible. We make fun of ourselves. We make fun of you know everyone who's just really, really too serious. The content is serious. Like we're talking about matters, but there's a way to make it fun and interesting. And every once in a while, it's like, all right, get somebody curious about what you're talking about with a fun meme instead of next episode coming you know and having just this overall like just unrelatable seriousness to it all so i think that's what we try to do but yeah that meme it was sort of a magical moment i can't believe it's over six million plays and Nate, t- tell the story though because we haven't ever told this on air about about your buddy who works with the actual oh, snake yeah, yeah. guy this so, is amazing derek so i i launched this meme and um my buddy messaged me on my, my private instagram account he goes hey great meme I work with the snake guy. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I work at a marketing company. He runs like Wendy's Twitter and a bunch of other things. He's actually pretty, he's pretty famous guy that nobody knows, but he'll still do cameos in the snake hat if you want. (laughs) So I almost paid for a cameo for a snake hat to send it to Luke. Like, just like, dude, the snake guy has seen seen the meme. Yeah, he saw the the meme meme and he thought it was awesome. Yeah. So the actual I'm a snake guy saw the is no Nate's buddy works with the guy and he saw it and he gave us a stamp of <laughs> approval. So yeah, that never happens. No, you guys kind of all kinds of connections. I mean, well, even with the snake guy, it's kind of like dude. So I know we're fast forward, but we went to Peru. You know, we're going to talk about this at some point. But in in like <laughs> the all in the all eighties of eighties moments, we're flying back from Peru. Yeah, and it's the last leg of our flight. Uh, we you know, we land in Florida. And we take a flight from Miami back to Nashville. We both live in the Nashville area. And on our flight is Vanilla Ice. He's the last guy on the plane. And we're like, what a cap to the end of, a, of an 80s themed 
podcast to be coming back from looking at all the megalithic marbles in Peru and talking about all of the untold history and then having, you know, Mr. Van Winkle on our flight. Um, yeah. It just is so apropos. Uh, wow. Did you get to say hi to him? No. We were, uh, we were, some of the we good people exhausted. on our flight did. But um, I just, you know, you recognize him because you're like, that. I know that guy from somewhere. And you're like, dude, that's vanilla ice, man. Let's, you know, quick to the point. The point, no faking, right? <laughs> Waxing MCs like a pound of bacon. <laughs> that is epic. On the way back from Peru, yeah. you run into vanilla ice on the airplane. That's that's yeah. just too uh, coincidental. Those two blurry creatures, man. It was fun. We try. So, we, should, we try. We so, be- yeah, you know, it's it's just a. Fu- I don't know. Like Nate said, we, you know, I, I think we like to laugh and we like to have a good time, and so part of what we do ancillary to talking about the serious stuff and, and exposing the darkness is to you know like poke fun at things poke fun at ourselves mostly and and, and wrap it in, in an 80s you know in an 80s blanket and because we're kids of the 80s right and, and i for whatever reason that's re- i think that's it resonates with folks especially in our age bracket you know in sort of our in our era um there's a lot of nostalgia to that and then it's just a there's a fun element to making very serious things uh, and and discussions about very serious things a little more approachable. And so, yeah, you know, you meme, memes are the, are, are going to be a funny thing. And we're, you know, hundreds of years past this, people, you know, you're reading hieroglyphics right now, Derek, in Egypt, you know, and, and you know, people will be like, man, these guys, this is a pretty good meme they did back in old 2023. Um, but who knows? <laughs> I I'm going to grab something from my, uh, I'm a bit, a bit of a collector myself when it comes to yeah. a vintage 80s uh, and, and yes. 70s stuff. So I'm going to grab something and show you here on the screen. But while I'm grabbing that, I want you guys to tell me when it comes to the 80s, what was your favorite thing from the 80s? Whether it was a song, <laughs> a show, whether it was a toy that you played with, what was your one of your favorite oh. things from the 80s? I'll be right back. Man, the 80s. Oh, where do you even start, Nate? I mean, I, I mean, I, film, right? Nothing film, really. I mean, good. I mean the film NES, for me. dude. I remember yeah. the first day my brother got a, a, a Nintendo Entertainment System. I still remember sitting in the family room. He busted out that with Mario Brothers. He put it in and hit play. And we just began just, just like, I was probably maybe six years old watching Mario Brothers on TV for the first time, which just blew my mind. And that was the, I mean, we had like crappy, like I think it was like Coleco. It was like a really Vision. Yeah, it was. It was like a worse version of Atari before that. Yeah. So when the Nintendo hit, it, it literally was like the station wagon that we were rolling around in forever, and then someone rolled in with like an Escalade, and you were <laughs> like, "What is this?" So that was the Nintendo, yeah. man. It was just mind blowing. But that was the, that was that's the moment. That was like my first real big moment in the eighties. That and watching Back to the Future. I was going to say it's film, right? The Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, uh, The Goonies. Like, there's so many great Karate Kid. There's so many great '80s films that just you you remember. It, it, it's it, in some ways, it's like putting on. You know, I, I think there are like uh, records to periods of our lives, like where you put in. At least for me, I put in put on songs or put on CDs. 
no one really has CDs anymore, but put on, you know, stream the stream the songs and you it takes you back to that time. You know, I for me it was these different times of my life where I was like that was the soundtrack for that for that year. And I think film in that way reminds me of uh, of the eighties. Like and, and uh, yeah, I mean watching Back to the Future for the first time, Goonies, I mean and I remember Indiana Jones is like my most favorite. Like I, I remember watching um you know, uh, gosh, I mean, all of them didn't really like the Temple of Doom, but the other two especially were. And all, all yeah. this to say is, like, we use a lot of 80s stuff to market our show all the time just because we needed a theme. We needed some music. So we put, like, Synthwave on our shows a lot. We have, like, a Stranger Things vibe. We use, like, old artwork from the 80s to, like, market it. Like, what we rehashed just about every brand and, and vibe and style from that. So that's how we used to kind of give the show some marketing. Luke uh, told me to make one of those 80s baseball hats with, like, the the bubble Thank letter. And, yeah. uh, Do we send that on those hat. Yet, We need to get him What's a fresh that? one. We, we got to get you a fresh hat. We need to get him the uh, original. We need to get you one. It's all bubbled out. It's like the Chicago Bulls hat from, like, the... Late eighties, early nineties. It's all, yeah. it's all puffed out. It took yeah. me like two days just to tr- just to Dude, track it took down a while. that font. It's kind of like the um, it's the Clark Griswold Chicago Bears hat from Christmas yeah. Vacation, right? Except it's bubbled. And uh, anyway, so yeah, man, eighties. <laughs> if you're a kid of the eighties, or yeah, that's why you, you asked. Appreci- us. If you're not and you appreciate the eighties, it was just a different. You know, it was a. <laughs> it's all part of our childhood. Yeah, it was. It was a magical season, right? I mean, that's. I think part of what makes the blurry verse uh, unique is your marketing of the eighties, whether it's back to the future. I mean, that movie was one of my absolute favorites. You mentioned the Goonies, Indiana Jones, all those, the music. Um, And then there was the toys. I'm going to show you guys two things from my collection here. Let me know if you can, this one might be a little bit more rare for guys who played with action figures in the eighties, but do you remember these? Dude, I do remember that. Trans is that GoBots? What is this? This is I... actually a Rock Lord. Dude, I remember those things, man. Turn into rocks. I haven't yeah. thought about that in I mean, we're old, but like it's <laughs> It was crazy. I played this I literally played with this back in the eighties. My mom found this in the garage several months ago and gave it to me. There you go. I hadn't seen this thing for how long? And it like trans it teleported me back into the eighties. It was so insane. <laughs> 